New on CuriosityStream, uncover engineering secrets from history's greatest masters. From the mysteries of the first man-made waterways to the building techniques of the early Americas, it's ancient engineering. Plus, 40 tons of trucks speeding down the interstate can be a recipe for disaster. See how today's smarter new age big rigs pave the way for safer highways on high-tech trucks. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. And TK doesn't have his mic on. Boom. Gotta have boom. low expectations of me. Oh, it's not that it's not on. It's just across the room. What a it was great just, place. I left it in the bathroom. <laughs> Perfect placement. Well done. Yeah, but I got it now. The mic's here now. Thank you. Okay? Thank you for being here. Yeah, everything's yeah, great. Thanks. How are you? Thanks for coming to the show today, Daryl. I, I, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, good. Good to have you. You know, Thank it's you. been a while. Almost didn't make it. Almost didn't make it. How was traffic coming in? Holy. Yeah. I, I tripped on a stair on the way down this morning. Yep. 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 Going down the subway. Going down my stairs. Going down your stairs. Are you wearing pants? To the secret portal to our studio. Uh, pants check. I think the only place to do a podcast is in the basement. I don't know that uh, reality would agree with you, but it's a pretty good place to do it. I don't think that many people are doing podcasts above ground, if you know what I mean. Mm. Right? Mm. I think this is a pretty basement-oriented endeavor. You know? <laughs> it's like, stay away from As it should civilization. Be. Yeah. Which is all Fake good. We got, a cool, we got a cool guest today. Do we? Yeah. Say hello. Danny. Donish, Donish. Gazi. Hello, hello. I'm super Toronto to today. Look at that. What do you got there? Vintage Toronto Blue Jays. Jays. The only good Toronto team in the city at the moment. Hello. Donish. Welcome. Donish. Thank you for having me. Welcome. How are you? I'm well. How are you guys? Good, good, good. So good, Donish, good. We, we're, we're rolling already, right? So we just started the show. We get right into it. We want to be as natural as possible. Um, but thanks for thanks for joining us today. And, uh, and TK just ruined it by telling you. No, I'm fair. Well, <laughs> Daryl tries to surprise people. I try to just let them know, right? Just so you can get fair warning. But um, I'm going to give you a quick intro here, okay? So Donish sure. Ghazi, uh, you know, uh, financial planning and money coach. He's on YouTube. Uh, check out his channel, uh, which we'll give you a, give a shout out later on. Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, he's a CPA. Uh, you've been posting on YouTube for about a year now. I've, I've watched a bunch of your videos. Um, super direct and simple, no, uh, you know, jazz, you get right to the point. Unlike Daryl and I, who talk for an hour and barely can get a, a point for the whole show, you are, you know, concise and it's, it's probably Thank something you. that's led to your success on YouTube because people are just like, okay, I get the information I need and I go. So congrats. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I don't know if you got a chance to kind of understand how our format is. You know, it's a Toronto real estate show. We try to talk about real estate, but we also know that there's a lot of things that people are also interested in, right? So investing, money, how to grow, you know, their portfolio, what are the smart investors doing and all that kind of stuff. And hopefully we'll touch on some of those things today. Absolutely. Sounds good. That is great. Yeah. So I, I, I watched a few of your, your most recent videos. Since it is the Toronto Real Estate Show, why don't we talk about real estate to start and see you know where what, things like, go? You know what I love too about Donish is that he had like the um, doomsday thumbnails, right? <laughs> you know, I was like, market's going to crash. What does he know? And then I click on it, you know, and it was exactly what every other YouTuber has got out there right now, which is, you know, Get, get them onto the video, explain to them why the market might go down, why the market might go up. At the end of the day, we're all here guessing, uh, you know, waiting for the answer. So kudos to you. Oh, thank I, you. And I think, hey, go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say that there, there's a lot of mechanics that come to YouTube, right? Like you have to make sure your thumbnails are interactive, that people are wanting to watch those videos. 
And, you know, you're trying to put a little bit of information that way you can expect from the video, right? So I try, I try to highlight part and parcel of what the video is going to be about. So it's not too clickbaity, but you also get the point across. The market crashing, you have to do the clickbait. Come on. That's just the way it goes. All right. It's like you have, you have to be surprised in every video. You have to be surprised. Yeah. I love it. It helps. Well, you certainly know what you're doing in comparison to us. You're getting way more views than this channel. So well done, sir. You well done. What, your, what's your background though? So like what you, you were working at an accounting firm or what were you doing? Um, like, yeah, I pretty much took that traditional path. You know, I went to the university in uh, St. Catharines, Rock. Yep. So go Badgers. Uh, got whoop, my whoop. CPA, <laughs> got my CPA at the, a national firm here, MNP. So I worked there nice. for about four years, the typical audit and insurance, uh, corporate tax, personal tax. So I got the whole broad spectrum of everything about accounting. And then eventually I left, you know, worked in corporate finance downtown, worked in public companies. But what I was really passionate about and uh, what really sort of inspired me to start the YouTube channel was personal finance. There's so much about personal finance and financial literacy in general that I feel like a lot of people just don't know the basics. And they're making these life important decisions, whether it's buying a house, whether it's making your you know, stock picks, whether it's buying ETFs, mutual funds, et cetera, buying a car, lease versus, you know, outright buying. These are big money decisions. And money is a very finite resource based on the money you're bringing in, right? So you have to make sure you're making the right decision for you and your family. Yeah, and people yeah. are not very good at making decisions, I find. They're horrible. Other oh, than impulse. me, I mean, my decisions are all well thought out and and really smart. But most people... We'll, we'll go over those at the end of the show, Daryl. We'll, we'll go yeah. over all those. <laughs> <laughs> you know how long the show would be? But, but his videos, like, so Donis, your, video, your videos are all like, you know, you've covered a lot of topics. So I guess you've yeah. had experience in like, okay, what people like, what decisions they need to make or bad decisions that they make. And so how to be able to give them a video based on that, like everything from investing to RESPs to RSPs to, you know, anything that people might have to make a decision on with money. I think the video, I can't remember which the first video I saw. I don't think it matters right now. It might've been rent versus own. Did you do that one? Ooh, let's talk about it. Versus, oh, Man, that's a good because I've not done that video yet. Okay, okay, I, maybe it's not, but I, I found you let's somehow, and then I dove it. in, right? I was like, okay, okay. let's go down this road and, fi and figure out what it all is. But it was something to do with, um, that's something to do with housing. Anyway, and I'll look it up right now, and I'll tell you what it is. But um, that's what people are making like today in this market as they're thinking to themselves, okay, what am, what am I going to do with my money? I've, maybe I've, I'm sitting on more money than I'm used to sitting on. Maybe I've spent time uh, gaining financial literacy. I, I mean, I've improved my financial literacy alone just in the pandemic because YouTube and different things that I've been getting into because I had more time. And uh, I think that there's a lot of people out there that are doing the same, you know, mainly why your, your channel is being successful, right? Right off the bat is that people are, you know, interested in what you have to say. Right. Exactly. I found like, and the reason I started the channel was because um, just in real life, people are asking the same questions. Hey, what are your thoughts about TFSA? How do ETFs work? What stocks should I be looking at? Uh, what are your thoughts on interest rates? And I found these were really repetitive questions that people just kept on asking because they knew, you know, if he's a CPA, he must know things. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, and I just threw out a video there. I just sort of, I think about last June in summer, we were all locked down. There was nothing else to do. I'm like, you know what? Let me try to make a YouTube video and see what happens. And eventually it really snowballed into something. So I still think it's kind of cool uh, being a YouTuber. I didn't think it was going to be a possible, you know, you think, oh, CPA, you work in the corporate grind, you work in corporate finance, et cetera, and that's it. But now like to have this whole other life of me that's making videos, uh, reaching out to people. I was uh, interviewed by the Charles Star, I think a couple of weeks ago. And awesome. just trying to uh -huh. get the message of financial literacy across and trying to educate people. You know, uh, coming, especially coming here as immigrant family, uh, when my parents went, they didn't know about how things work in Canada. And, you know, like learning from, you know, you have to sort of start from somewhere. And there's a lot of things that I've learned throughout my life. And I thought, you know what, maybe if someone knew this, maybe they can make a better decision with their money. Definitely. I mean, that's, uh, you know, I think everybody can uh, get value from your channel. Everybody has money. Everybody wants to be able to be comfortable. Everyone wants to retire. Like, it's it's there it's big time what, what do you think about the sorry are you in toronto where are you mississauga mississauga okay so you're in the gta what do you think about the toronto housing market right now it's nuts right i mean i think it's been covered over and over again like it's absolutely insane there's a lot of there's a lot of nuances to the toronto market like price just keep going higher and people keep asking me like is this sustainable and you know i made a couple of videos that 
there's a lot of factors that are causing the increase in prices. One, there's very low supply. There's a lot of demand, but it's not just demand from buyers. It's investors who have multiple properties who are maybe buying their 10th property, their 17th property. Now you have corporations who are buying properties either for renting out or just for, uh, you know, for whatever purposes. And I know for a fact, because I've worked with people who I know that, you know what, they've brought the corporate money from overseas. First thing they do is they buy a house in cash because they're just taking over the money they brought right here. Because Canada is still considered to be a safe haven when it comes to real estate. Yeah. We have a politically stable environment, a relatively low crime rate compared to other countries, a healthy economy. So people see real estate and real estate has always been sort of a safe haven throughout the last 200 whatever years. And Canada is still pegged in the world, the safest place to park your money in real estate. I agree. Yeah, that's, um, that's, that's what I'm seeing too, is that there is a lot of money, not just necessarily coming in from overseas, but just coming in from corporate uh, investments, businesses, people are looking at real estate as a serious commodity right now. It's not just like what Black um, Rock has done throughout the world is now spreading into, uh, you know, core developments is got that project that they're working on here. And then there's other Zillow and Redfin, all these big companies. Zillow are bought 3,800 like homes this year. Zillow last bought 3,800. No, last quarter. Was it last quarter? Yeah, it was crazy. 3,800 homes. Like, what are you going to do with all those homes, right? And, they're, and they've stopped buying them this year, right? So that's a big shift. It is. Right? It is. And there's a new concept. I don't know if you guys have heard about fractional real estate investing. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us. Yeah, about it. tell us, tell us. yeah let's talk about that because it's kind of it's really interesting, but it's like, I don't know who the hell wants to do that, really. But it, it's definitely picking up a lot of steam. So what, what do you what's know? The about setup on it? Yeah, like, yeah. What's the All right, setup? So I have, a, I have a video coming out on fractional real estate in a week or two. So I'll give you sort of the highlights that I'm sort of talking about. And essentially, the whole concept is that you can turn the housing market into a stock market. So for example, let's say you wanted to buy a share of RBC. You don't have 130 bucks to buy a full share. So with Wall Simple Trade, you can buy a fractional share. Maybe you buy whatever shares you can get for a dollar, two dollars. So now what you can do with some of these platforms is you can buy a piece of a condo for as little as a dollar. So essentially you're pooling in money with other investors and you'll buy a condo. If that condo goes on rent, you get your share of the rental income. And when that condo eventually gets sold, you'll get your piece of the profits for being a partial owner. So it's a, a private REIT that, that they'd set up. Exactly. It's like a private REIT. So instead of you owning the REIT, you own yeah. the real, you actually own the uh, physical real estate. Yeah. I find that very complicated when it comes to You know to what? There's companies getting doing money in like, and out. Yeah. There's a company in Vancouver or British Columbia, Addy. You know Addy? Have you seen those guys? Yes, Addy. Yes. Yeah. And, and so there's, they've done a few of these properties and it seems to be gaining traction. Like people are actually doing it. I looked at it pretty seriously. I just, I would prefer to be on the Addy end of the equation <laughs> and putting 500 bucks in towards a, you know, uh, one eight billionth of a condo somewhere. <laughs> Me personally, but. Hey, I, I, I bought a tiny little piece of Bitcoin. So who knows, right? Yeah. It's just when things go wrong. Like what happens when there's a major cost? There's a special assessment on the condo. Exactly. What happens when a group of the shareholders want to divest and they want to take their money elsewhere? What happens when, you know, there's conflict between, you know, the contract? Like, there's just so many things, right, right. little it nuances. Has to scale. It has to scale. Yeah. It has to have many options and it has to have like fluidity and liquidity, which... It won't for a while, I don't think. But who knows? This could blow up like crazyville. You know what intrigues me more about that whole space there is like NFTing uh, real estate and using NFTs and smart contracts for real estate and maybe splitting up things like with that. But the fractional, like buying little slivers through some private company that centralized could go bankrupt, could take your money. It's like, it's intriguing, but it's like, it's too early, isn't it? But, but, but let's just reverse the roles here. Now I'm getting a piece of, you know, fifth Avenue or, you know, somewhere in Tokyo or London, that's, you know, super popular. Like for me, like, it's almost just a novelty. It's like, Oh take yeah, my let's say, take me, give take me, me I'm going to be in New York. I'm going to be I'm in a New Lord York. Take in me Scotland. to your condo. <laughs> take me to your condo. 
uh, uh, <laughs> I only get 15 I, minutes on, uh, you know, every 22nd no, Friday. Not even. I have a picture. <laughs> yeah. I have a picture of one of the floorboards is mine. <laughs> this square foot is mine. I yeah, have that brick. That brick is mine. That brick yeah, is mine. Exactly. I'm gonna take it with me. Yeah, that's that's the little the little bit. I get. I guess it's more of a novelty. And when you're dealing with the new generation, like, and that's a thing, Donish. I imagine uh, you're, you know, in your twenties. Thirty. You're thirty now. Okay, so you're you're you know I'm a, I'm thirty five. We're not much that different, right? But we're connecting with the people who are in this new generation who are now getting employed for the first time. The twenty four yeah. to thirty five year olds. They are the ones leading this. They are the ones saying, I'll put my money into NFTs. They're the ones saying, I'll put my money into fractional ownership, apparently. They're the ones saying, I want financial literacy and I want to be investing myself. I want self-directed RSPs. I want, you know, this is all to Do me- Do want RSPs? A revolution. Well, maybe TFSA, whatever. You know, they're doing, they're doing it in a way that they're in control because they're actually taking the steps where I don't think the generation before was oh, doing yeah. that. And you're right, because traditionally like, um, you know, let's say call it 30, 40 years ago, the option would have been you have money in a bank, you speak to your bank financial advisor, they'll sell you a mutual fund, probably has a really crazy high expense ratio of two or 3%, and you just park your money there for 20, 30 years, and then you just take it out when you retire. And that's it. You don't really think about your investments too much. I, hey, where, where's your money? It's in a bank somewhere. Yeah. But now with this whole... Re- so yeah, yeah, return like, that one year. That was exactly. It. I got a good return. It's been a top performer. It's called a five-star fund. Right, it's called the super mega balanced dividend growth fund, right? And that's where I have my that's where I have my money. Super right? mega, super mega. <laughs> it's, it's got they've got these all these fancy names, right? Yeah. And now One people th- are like more and more involved in their investments. Like, okay, where's my money actually going? What is Bitcoin? What are NFTs? What are ETS? What are stocks? Right? And people How want does it- control. Yeah, and they're all trying to make sense of this crazy system we're all working in right now, and they're like, um. Does anybody else notice that this isn't working properly? Uh, hello, we need something better. But but all all of the the older generation doesn't want things to change at all, do they? No, they're inflating their assets because they, they see the they, changes they don't coming want like crazy. No yeah. way! It's like holy shit, the game's over. We better just pump this thing up and cash out. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, Gary, Gary V always says, right? Like when you're young, now's the time to take the risk. Now's the time take to go the out risk. there and go, you know, full tilt, go bankrupt a couple of times by the time you're 35, you know, like get it out there so that you can learn these lessons and take chances and, and try to be uh, doing something that makes sense. Right. But also the older generations, imagine you're coming close to retirement and you're in your late fifties or sixties. You're probably not going to take big chances and start exactly. to learn new things. You're going to say, Hey, I, I, this was my plan from 20 years ago. This is what I'm going to stick with. Whereas anybody who either doesn't have a retirement plan yet or is just starting, they're the ones who are now going to look, what's the fastest way to retire? Which is a, a great next topic is um, FIRE, right? Fire, uh, financial independence, retire, retire. early. Yeah. Well, hold on and- a sec. What, what happens to all the people right now that worked in a restaurant and they're like 62 years old and they can't get any work right now? Like what? What can they do to all of a sudden make up their income? Who's hiring that guy? It's it's a harsh reality, right? Like this is a whole concept of senior poverty, and it's a very real issue facing a lot of older Canadians today, where many Canadians may not have that um, RSP to retire to. They may not have you know a pension plan from work, and all they get is whatever CPP and OAS spits out. It might be you know a thousand, twelve hundred bucks a month, and that's basically that's not enough to retire off of. That's more than rent. Yeah, and now, what what about all like there's so many people, truckers. What what's a 50, 60 year old trucker gonna do five, 10 years from now when we don't need them? Or the taxi drivers or all these guys that are gonna be obsolete. How are they gonna replace their income? Like how where's all this I money? Gonna... Prov- I think the government's proven that if there is a massive um, layoff or, or, you know, work stop that the government's going to find a way to support people. I think they've proven that during the pandemic. So I think if there's a mass massive shift in automation and everything else too, the government's going to find a way and uni- universal basic income is probably the answer to that, but they'll find a way to be able to go out there and make, um, make, uh, you know, people able to pay their bills. Okay. Well, so hold on. So Trudeau government planning new targeted aid for businesses as broad support ends this week. So, they went from 229 
billion dollars of relief to 7.9 billion, which I mean, I guess a year ago, 7.9 billion would have been like, holy cow, that's a lot of money. That's what are they money. doing with our money? And now it's yeah. like, it's like, but it's very targeted though. It's, it's I'm, I'm glad this is happening. So one of the issues we've got right now with a commercial tenant is that he's getting SIRS, Canadian Urge, Canada Urge, Emergency Rent Subsidy. He's not paying the landlord the rent and he is not able to be locked out of his unit because he's protected because he's been approved by SIRS. So now the landlord's getting screwed. He's getting money from the government and he's running his business, get generating income and not having to pay the full amount of rent. He's paying like a much lower amount, right? So that needs to stop. There needs to be only people who are now, I think it's 50% affected or 40% affected will get some, some uh, type of help, 50% in certain industries. Like it's, it's a major change now on who's going to be able to get, have access to the money for wages and rent subsidies and all that kind of stuff. I think that that's, that's an important step in the right direction because people abuse the system and Serb getting rid of Serb and now yes. having, you know, more unemployment benefits and stuff like that. Again, there's jobs out there. I'm every, I'm driving down the street and it's saying labor is wanted jobs, wanted, hiring, wanted. please, please, please. And it's like, and everyone's saying there's no, there's no work. Right. So it's not good, that they're for you, saying there's definitely. no work. They're unemployed. It's totally different. Unemployable. No, they're employable. Okay. They don't want to work. Exactly. So there needs you to just, be some you just said to work. two totally different things. You said that the answer is universal basic income. And then you said, like, thank God we're taking away the, the, the nipple. Yeah. Right now you need to take that away because we need we have employment. If automation comes in, that was the last conversation, Daryl. If automation comes in, then that is going to take over all these jobs oh, that the help oh, wanted signs are taking over. Yeah. Thanks, Daryl. Right. And you're right. So I think a lot of people have gotten used to collecting all this serve money. Like you were getting what two thousand dollars a month without having to do anything. And a lot of people are like, you know what? I'm actually making more collecting serb than going to like McDonald's or just working, you know, the grill or whatever. And it's actually a pretty good deal. And I think a lot of people got used to the whole concept. You know what? Working at fast food is not easy. It's not easy, right? Like you have to deal with bad customers. You have crazy hours, or you have bad shifts, right? And people mm -hmm. are like, maybe there's more out there for me. So I think there's sort of a shift happening where. A lot of these people are sort of moving away from this restaurant type style work, these labor, maybe something else that's out there because there's a transition happening. 100 transition happening. What what is that transition? Is it like people are above the work? Like is it like I'm too good to be working at such and such a place? Or no, I think it's just self-improvement, right? Let's say if you were working at a grill, you're like, you know what, maybe I can take a couple of courses and maybe you've done that through the lockdown. You sort of certified yourself, maybe you've learned coding, maybe you've learned some. Uh, office skills. You're like, maybe I can go work in an office. Maybe I can work remotely for another company because now there's a lot more remote work. Mm -hmm. so you're no longer tied down to like a physical location where I have to show up here. I can work for this company hiring out of the States and they're just looking for a lot of a fleet of coders, right? And I've learned a little bit of this throughout the lockdown. So maybe I try my skills there. So I think there's Absolutely. a shift happening. Yeah. yeah. What I think yeah. is a big joke. This is a big joke to me. Okay. And I laugh every time I see this. I've retired at the age of 30. And now I'm going to live my life and be the hero. Like you guys are all suckers working away, you know? And here I am in a sponsored ad on Instagram working, <laughs> trying to get you to buy shit off me. So is that, not, is that not a joke to you guys when people think that they're retiring at 30 because they've been able to get to this financial independence? Like, do you think anyone's really just going to put their feet up for the next 70 years and not work? No, here's the thing. If you've somehow managed to not work or let's say call it traditional retirement up until 30, 35, you have certain skill set. And then you use that skill set to essentially become an entrepreneur where you're starting your own business. Maybe you're selling courses, maybe you're selling a book, or maybe you're doing something. Yeah. And I think that you love. again, yeah, it's yeah. about following your passion, right? Whatever you, you transition into something, you're going from I've worked at corporate job, I've made the money, you know what? It's too much of a grind, and I'm not really passionate about the corporate lifestyle. Let me do but something. It, I'm more but it's not retirement. This is a new idea. This whole idea of doing what you love. Like our parents didn't that they were not my grandmother when she was working in the shoe store, you know, that wasn't about chasing the dream, right? It was about making some, some dough. And then the next generation, I don't know what they're all about, but like, it, it was never up until very recently about chasing this dream. Right. So like, like you, for example, the opportunity to be a YouTuber has never been so simple, right? And then the, the extra time by the pandemic has given all of us, you know, time to figure out new kind of things. 
But there's a lot of people that just kind of sat there, collected checks, went to get cigarettes and beer and are still figuring out how to not work. And then there's a lot of people that figured out how to make money without being employed, right? Maybe even get unemployment and make a lot of money in some other country over the internet, right? So how's this all going to affect Canada's or Toronto? Canada first, like Canada's housing market. What, what's going to happen based on all the stuff that we know? What's happening in the next six months to a year? I think it's going to come down to like interest rates are still low, right? There's a whole expectation that when is the BOC, when is the Bank of Canada raising interest rates? Because as of right now, it stands, you can only get a mortgage based to what you can based on your income level. And like, yeah, this article I saw, Scotia Bank's eyeing what eight interest rates by their twenty. I just don't think that's going to happen. If somehow Canada were to do like these eight successive interest rates, it would cause massive panic. Forget about panic. How's the government going to pay their debt? Again, it's a all built on a house of cards, right? We're all we've all just borrowed more and more, more and more money, thinking it's this gravy train doesn't stop. Crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So, but yeah. So interest rates. So, I mean, most people that I follow don't think interest rates are going anywhere anytime soon, right? So, so first, maybe they're going to curb more of their bond spending. And then I don't know what else they have. I mean, I'm, I'm working on TK found me a beautiful house and we're, we're, we've been working on getting a mortgage and it's not easy to get a mortgage right now. It really isn't like, it's not as easy as you would think if you're self-employed you know, I remember way back 20 years ago, so stated income, you could buy 18 houses like in a day. (laughs) Yeah. That was, that was now. Now, yeah. like you could have millions of dollars of real estate, millions of dollars of cash in the bank. But if you don't show income that that, that covers, you know, three points higher than the mortgage you're getting. It's not as easy as it. I didn't think TK warned me it wouldn't be so easy, but like it's way harder than I thought it would be like. And, and that's one way to tighten the market that people don't realize they don't talk about some tight like lending or, or lenders getting a little tighter or, or a little bit uh, more restrictions in the banks, you know, I think maybe, am I crazy TK? No, I mean, but that's been like that for a while. I mean, the, the stress test has been there to curb obviously spending, um, but people have just totally adopted or adapted to that. So everybody's just like, I know that I have to qualify at, you know, this rate now, and this is what I'm going to buy with. And, and what's my max, what's my max. And then they, they, they find a way to be able to do it. Um, but that's, that's the tool that the government has. So bank of Canada's interest rates, you have to remember the reason that they're low is not just so people can spend money on housing. It's not, it's not like they're just saying like, Hey, let's prop up the housing market so we can all have everybody go and spend more money on houses. And, you know, Rosedale will be really expensive to get into. No, it's like it's keeping there so that companies can borrow money for cheaper, that they can invest in infrastructure so that, you know, businesses can survive, that people have an option if they are about to go bankrupt to maybe get a loan and to be able to keep themselves afloat. These are the reasons that the uh, interest rates are low. So they're not just looking at the housing market and saying, because the housing market's getting out of control, we're going to raise interest rates. They'll use other measures that they've used in the past, like the stress test and you know, the provincial government had their B20 measures back in 2017 and other things that they're going to say, how can we, because, because the, the market, the markets are not like macro, right? Like each market is like Toronto's going crazy. Vancouver's going crazy. These small towns are, may some are okay. New Brunswick's getting out of control. Nova Scotia's now got all these crazy laws. They're introducing rent control and extra taxes for people who are buying out of province. Exactly. Like every area is different in how they're reacting. So a blanket federal government or bank of Canada policy won't, equally affect everybody in Canada. It's got to be really targeted on how they can try to control this. And it's anybody's guess. It's a difficult job to do. Weird though, because their major metric that they talk about now is not only where CPI is at, but where employment, full employment is at, right? And so it's like this weird, um, it's, it's, it's backwards because they're, they, they want people to go back to work. That's a metric that means that they'll stop flooding the market with cheap money, but they have to keep flooding the market with cheap money to get to full employment. It's a cycle. It's just, it's this whole cycle, right? It's a vicious cycle where people get used to this cheap money and people forget. I think like a couple of years ago, like not that even long ago, we had interest rates that were like what, four or 5%. And once you get used to cheap money, it's always hard to go back up. 
because businesses have been borrowing. Yeah, you can't Everybody's go back up. Yeah. You can't. You can't go back up. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I guess at least you not, can. At least not eight times in two years. No. I guess that's the point that, you, that you're making. And, you know, I mean, I, I believe everything I read, so I'm gullible, right? But to me, it, you know, I think that the interest rates need to go up. And I think that there needs to be a, a slow taper of the, of the you know, the, the, the government sourced, uh, you know, funding. But the main thing is, is can we handle it that fast? 2023, can we handle it? Well, it said four in 2022 like yeah. second half and then another four throughout 2023 four 25 basis points so it'll be two percent so it'll go Holy up to cow. so what are you gonna have to qualify at over seven percent for your mortgage not sure I'm not sure how the stress test will be changed i mean they've been telling us that they, they've been qualifying people at the stress test rate for this exact reason right so it's like it's literally like giving a, giving us like a, a crystal ball saying hey this is what we're gonna do go spend your money and nobody listens and I feel like a lot of, and I fear that a lot of people will then start looking at a lot of B lenders, a lot of C lenders were like, you know what, if I can't go through the stress test, if I can't qualify at A, I start all of a sudden looking at this other gray market of other lenders, right? And that's where people really could fall into traps where you're not taking that route of where you have rules and re regulations in place. All of a sudden I'm looking at private lenders, B lenders, C lenders. And then that's where you can default to all these traps where, okay, I just need to make my next mortgage payment. But then all of a sudden you're susceptible to maybe a hundred dollar crisis where if you don't have extra hundred dollars to pay for unexpected car repair, all of a sudden now you're borrowing credit card debt. Now you need more credit card debt to fund other debt, right? And people can fall into this vicious, vicious debt cycles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, private lenders. How did um, they get a house, those people? <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah. I've been hearing this concept on Reddit. I don't know if you guys have heard. It's called the Brampton Loan or the Brampton Mortgage. Oh, tell us more. Yes. <laughs> tell us more, please. <laughs> it's, it's just concept I've been hearing on Reddit. A lot of people talk about these Brampton loans. And essentially, a lot of people in Brampton have been going to these very private lenders at the big gray area where they're getting documents manufactured in a way that lets them borrow more than they should really be able to borrow. Okay. That's been going on for a while. Yeah. I would I like call that, that more than Daryl method than the Brampton method. <laughs> I, I did that on the very first project ever. This is before there was like, uh, 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 what's it called? Photoshop. There was some. I think the statute of limitations, limitations has expired too. Yeah, so you can tell us all about it. Darryl. It was plenty worse back, back then. <laughs> oh my God. But like just the amount of uh, uh, real copying and cutting and pasting back then to make like pay stubs and oh my God. But it, it was way easier back then. Like so the, the, comp, the, 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 the propositions that I've heard out there is anywhere from like a one to 2% broker fee. And yeah, they'll get you a mortgage. They'll for, get you a mortgage. If you're paying them anything fee, you want, yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll do anything. Like, you know, you go in there and tell them that you're, you know, working such and such a place and they'll doctor up the whole thing. And you're probably sleeping with, you know, your bags packed at the door for the rest of your life, <laughs> you know, just waiting for them to come knocking and you're out the door. Like, all right, you you know, honestly, like I saw on a uh, personal finance Canada Reddit post, it's a popular subreddit. Somebody asked, how do I actually get a Brampton mortgage? And to me, that's very alarming. Like, and that's why the whole concept of financial literacy is so important. People need to understand that nothing is risk-free. You have to understand what you're getting yourself into. Understand people are not just going to hand you large sums of money so you can buy a house because housing cannot always go up, right? Understand the micro and macro macroeconomic factors. Yeah. Oh, there's wait, a reason though. why you don't qualify, right? Like there's but a we, reason why the bank doesn't want you to have that money. And it's because of your situation. So maybe you should listen. But there's interest only mortgages out there now and they're coming and they're coming. So I don't know if they, what they, I don't, I guess that maybe they'll be, will they be the Scarborough mortgage? <laughs> hey, 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 take it easy. Um, I don't know, but they're going to have to be something. Scarborough, Mor Regardless. Scarborough mortgages are above board. You know, yeah. everybody's, you know, telling the truth and, and it's uh, you know, honest and the Durham yeah. mortgage, the, the Durham mortgage. But but Donna, you had a, the one of your last videos you're talking about. So, you know, people who want to live in the major cities may not be able to afford them. So your options are to go somewhere else or rent. Mm. Right. Like that's going to be one of the things that people have to make that decision on. Is It is. And it's not an live... easy decision. Right. It's, it's a hard decision. Maybe you cannot grow up or start. You, you cannot live in the same area that you grew up in because it just doesn't make sense for your budget. 
And when people ask me like, what, what type of home should I buy? I say, well, take a look at your budget because whatever income you bring in, that's, that's your benchmark. That's your budget. Can you comfortably <laughs> save for retirement? Can you comfortably save for unexpected expenses and still afford a mortgage? It may not be in the area you prefer, but it may be somewhere else. And, you're, and you're, what is your track record with people listening to that? Um, and that's the thing, right? People will say, you know what? I'm just going to get a Brampton loan instead. Yeah, fuck this. I'm, this. I'm getting budget. a Brampton loan. <laughs> but his comment was really insightful. Your comment was really insightful that you said, Dunish, was, was people don't feel like they're an adult unless they've bought a home. And it's right? like peer pressure. It might be peer pressure from your family. Like your relatives be like, hey, you're 30. You still don't own a home. You're renting. Why are you throwing all that money away? Go get a home, yeah. right? Aren't you married this, yet, you loser? And people fall into societal pressures where like, oh, if I don't own a home, how am I supposed to tell people? I'm afraid to tell people that I'm renting and I'm 30 and I have this job. I'm supposed to own a home. I'm supposed to be married. I'm supposed to have a kid. I'm supposed to do this, this, and this by the time I hit these age milestones. And we sort of put this pressure on us saying, I have to do these things. And that's why these B and C lenders and all these gray areas have popped up to take advantage of people with that mindset. Yeah. I think the younger kids are way smarter than all of us. I think they've realized that like they don't have a shot right now until things change and they're fine with it. They're, they'll rent, they'll bounce around, they'll, they'll work wherever the hell they want to work. Like imagine if you were like a really good coder right now, what your options would be, where you could work, who you could work for, like where you could work for them from, right? Like you could work from some remote country that's beautiful all day, have a place on the beach where it costs you like a thousand dollars a month to live, right? While making like three hundred thousand yes. dollars coding, and that's like mm-hmm. that's not even a ridiculous scenario today, right? But they're not you an can, adult unless they own a home. In, fuck in that. Publico. They can make you can make a hundred grand easily playing video games right what now. What will your uncle and your you aunt did. say though? What will they say about you if you don't own a home in the neighborhood you grew up in? You're, you're better off being in porn these days than not owning a home. <laughs> only fans, only fans, whatever. It's much but, more socially acceptable than not owning a home. Yeah. But isn't that crazy? How did you like, get your house? Crazy? I did porn. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Good for you. I have an only fans page. Way to go. All right. we, we, we're laughing about this, Danish, because our last guest was talking about a luxury home that they had sold to somebody who had made their money in only OnlyFans. So it's, Honestly, it's real. It's, it's crazy to say this because I've heard of YouTubers who bought these like who have crazy followers. They do vlogs or whatever. And they just say, you know what? I'm just going to buy the biggest mansion I can in the GTA or whatever. And let me do a fancy house tour. And I think that house for video alone will essentially pay for their home. Right? People have oh. found ways to make money of these like side houses and it's a growing term, right? Side hustle, side gig, right? People are essentially where, let's say 30 years ago, you may have worked two jobs. Let's say you work place A and place B. You were working two employed jobs. Now I find out people are working job A, but then on the side, they also have the side hustle where they're maybe building up a new internet startup where they're doing coding, where they're doing freelance or blogging, blogging, whatever. Trading, yeah. Yeah, right? trading. Trading's a big one, I think. You know, a lot of, a lot of guys are getting into options trading. Options guys trading, are, day trading, exactly. Yeah, a lot of guys are getting into things that are just helping them subsidize some of their income, right? Sure. Daryl, this is yeah. our side hustle. So what, what was the revenue we had again uh, last month? I just want to know what my, month? Sh- what no, my no, no. share was, just first so I can all, update everybody on my income. Well, first of all, after we pay all the staff here, you know, we're losing a lot of we're money. We're losing a lot month, of money. Yeah, right? we're down. We're down. I think we, we lose high, money um, like after one day of paying for internet service, we're already at a loss. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough gig. This YouTube we're, YouTube side hustle is a tough gig. We're, but we're nice. not doing this for money. I know. I'm just joking. We're doing it for love. And, you we, know, hopefully we make some money at some point because it's a lot of work. We've, we've talked about this, the side hustle. This is, again, a uh, new generation, you know, um, I can't remember what the next one after millennials are. Are they, are they Zennials? Gen Z, I think Gen Z or something. Gen Z, so, yeah. yeah. So the Gen Zs and the millennials, this is, this is what it is. They're finding ways to be able to pay rent and to do the things that they need to do. And I'm, I'm more for, I'm, and I, I'm a real estate agent, so it's a biased opinion. Everybody should own, everybody should buy, everybody, you know, that kind of stuff. But I'm more for uh, people renting 
if they have good, strong financial literacy. It's the reason I recommend people buy is because people don't know how to save their money. And if they rent for 30 years, they're going to be broke. I promise you, if you haven't managed your money well, and, and that we rely on that 30-year mortgage to pay off that house so that they can have money when they're older and they're no longer able to go into the workforce and have those side hustles and pay for their life and their, their expenses and all that kind of stuff. That's why I recommend home ownership. Absolutely. If you show me you're finance, financially literate, I would tell you to rent and go and live on the beach and enjoy your life. But most people don't show me that. And it's because people have always thought that, you know what, when I retire, the government will take care of me, CPP and OAS, but that's the wrong mentality. CPP and OAS has never been a way to cover 100% of your, your retirement. It's always been a rule of thirds where the government sort of chips in a third for your retirement. Your RRSP or your pen, work pension plan chips in the other third. And then you have personal savings for the other third, right? So you have essentially you collect your pension from work, you collect your CPP, OAS, and then you have personal savings. But people have sort of forgotten about that and said, you know what? It's just about the CPP and OAS. And when they get to that point where they're collecting CPP, they realize it's only a thousand bucks a month. I thought I was supposed to get taken care of by this government pension for my entire life. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about saving. Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah, maybe a thousand dollars a month when they signed up for it sounded good. But 30 years that later. doesn't inflate at all. That yeah. just kind of stays at the same number all the time. I, we should look that the, up. Yeah. And that's what that government's implement. I don't know if you heard, guys have heard called the enhanced CPP. No. So a couple of years ago, I think the limit on CPP was up to, I don't know, 50, 60,000. And now what's happening, it's sort of a staggered increase where every January, you'll actually see more of your paycheck go, go towards CPP. So now it's now the cap's going up, I think, up until like 2023 to like 80,000, whereas a couple of years ago, the cap was 50,000. So what that means is, as you're collecting your paycheck throughout the year, once you hit $50,000 of annual income, you no longer have to contribute to a CPP. But now, up until you collect $80,000 of your employment income, you're still contributing to CPP. Because now CPP is supposed to make up, I think, 33% of your overall uh, retirement income by the time you get to that stage. But it's going to take 30 years to get there. Now, just because you're, you're the accountant here, does that mean that you're going to get more money on CPP? Or does it just mean that you qualify for CPP by paying more? It means so it that like they will have for the government. more. They're going to have more of your money when they <laughs> that's go bankrupt. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> So since it's the way you're, you're, you're putting more money into this giant pot, right? So instead of a pot of this size, now the pot's expanded. So yeah. people can hopefully collect more from that larger pot when oh, they yeah. retire in the next 30 years. Yeah, as inflation doubtful. is as going seem, it seems off doubtful. the charts, cost of living is going through the roof, but your your monthly payments for the Don't uh, worry, we'll retirement from you, you will never get, yeah. it's going to go up. Yeah. But it's enhanced. It's enhanced. <laughs> I like that word. It's called, the, it's called the enhanced CPP. It's enhanced. It's enhanced. We've That's enhanced like, it. You're so clever. It's just like a super mega worse. fund I was talking about. Just, just make it sound fancy. Super mega dividend growth fund. Yeah. That, when, actually, when I watched your channel, enhanced. when I watched Dunn's channel, I noticed that he didn't use the buzzwords, right? That you were just very clear, very concise. This is the, and everybody else is all like, capital, liquidity, you know, they're talking like they are, they have a CPA and then you look them up and you're like, this guy just started YouTube and just started talking to people and doesn't know what he's talking about. But I noticed that that's something that you, that you don't just rely on buzzwords that you do, you do get into the facts and that's something. Oh that, man, uh, <laughs> such a great point. Like I think before I got into YouTube, I would always see these random YouTubers say, buy this penny stock. It's going to go 10 X. You'll see these thumbnails with a rocket ship and a 10 X. Yeah. And these guys are just in like high school because they've learned how to use Robin hood. And they're like, you know what? buy this penny stock 10x and yeah. it's again the whole point is because they make money off their youtube videos so the more people they can but it's called the pump and dump scheme right like all these pump and dump schemes so and that's Everywhere. again weird people following like whether it's on instagram tiktok or youtube following these personal finance gurus again they're if they're selling you something that's their benefit yeah, you always sure. have to understand who's providing you the information be a little bit skepticism right oh my god some of where, these where, guys how do they benefit yeah, yeah, it's like, why if you have so much money, why the fuck are you doing this right now? Why are you teaching me? Like, go yeah. chill out, man. My These suspicions guys, are the guys oh. that were doing those YouTube videos, buying houses in the GTA. It, it, the house was rented, and it was like yeah. an Airbnb for like the day. Let's you know? do one right now. <laughs> Let's do one right now. Yeah, that was my... Have you my... heard of... Have you heard of <laughs> Toronto real estate? Like, get in now! If you've got $10,000 oh, around... I've rent, rent, rent like the nicest Porsche or whatever, or the nicest BMW just for one thumbnail. And they're like, oh, look how I just bought this new car. And I'm retired. Yeah. Turns out it's just rental. 
the yeah. pair days were the rent just for that concept. I just bought this car. Watch me and let me show you how you can do the same. They've been yeah. doing. Everybody's been they doing. Get an that. Airbnb, Remember? Airbnb, and rent a Lambo, and boom, make a the, big, the, the big one, Daryl from uh, you know our generation uh, was ACN, multi-level marketing. Is that the Trump phone one? Yeah. That was Remember the that? big one. I, I well, what, what I other big one was there that that they were trying to get people to buy into that was all just a big crock? I did. I did isogenics. I don't know if that thing's oh, still iso- going around. Isogenics was a big one too. Okay, that was a but big ACN one. was was about ten to fifteen years ago, and yeah. um, they rented this big house down Bayview and York Mills. Can't remember what it was, but that's where everything was. Come and see us. Come and check us out. Look what we're doing. All that kind of stuff. It was just a rented house that like fifty of them all were chipping in every single month to be able to attract more people not clients more people to sell their products for them right so yeah people in the triangle yeah but most things are that i mean if we go if we like really take a few steps back and look at the economy um it will have many similarities to all of those mlms pyramid schemes ponzi schemes whatever you want to call them exactly What's even crazier is like now they, they've made it very clear. Like the answer is to bring in more dummies, right? Just bring in as many. And somehow in the lockdown, they're staking claim that they're about to meet their goal of 400,000 uh, people immigrating to Canada this year. But that's the answer. The answer, like I read something today. We we're talking about birth rate and how it's declining and we need, you know, the answer is more people. So what do we do? This is beautiful. Here, great. I love this. this. Yeah, great article. Where is it? Uh, sorry, let me share my screen. Yeah, I think four hundred thousand per year up until twenty twenty three. That's one point two million people in the next well, three years. Yeah, they're yeah. not going to stop there. But look at this: Ontario to propose bill that would remove barriers facing foreign trained professionals and tradespeople. And so, yeah. what this thing is talking about is basically, you know, right now, if you have a license or you have some kind of a designation abroad it doesn't carry over without like going back to school, right? Or, or getting your license again somehow here, or you have to work a you, certain you amount Canadian of hours to qualify. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. fuck this. We need and I people. Can speak to that because I've worked with a lot of professional CPAs that have come from like overseas and they can't work in the same accounting firm because they're considered foreign CPAs, right? So what they do is they have to then recertify that to get a CPA in Canada just so they can start from the ground up. But this is great. Yeah. I mean, like, 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 it, like you were like a 17 year old kid, like go and get like a degree and then get your, yeah, here's your requisites minimum and wage. go into school. It's, it's tough. Minimum yeah. wage. And this is a guy that just came and paid cash for a house in Canada. Right. Yeah. And he has to go earn minimum wage to get some experience so that he can work again and, and make a proper living that he was yeah. able to do, you know, last week before he moved here for a better life. What the hell is going on? So, right? so that, yeah, that article, it's not medical, but it's like everything are like engineers, trades, yeah. architects, lawyers, all yeah, sorts yeah, of lawyer. professional fields. See, here's the are... thing. You need more people to fund the enhanced CPP. Yes, absolutely. Keep 100%. pumping the enhanced CPP, <laughs> but not only that, like we talk about a housing crisis, but like if you turn that spigot off, that crisis flips the other way, you know, sooner than we can think. Right. And now all of a sudden we turn into Miami a few years ago where there's all this housing and and no more demand, right? We need that or we are fucked, the whole economy. And not like Evergrande China fucked, like it's not that huge a piece of our GDP in Canada at the moment, but it's creeping up there, right? You know know what Nova Scotia just announced too is um, uh, first $50,000 of provincial uh, income tax will be eliminated for tradespeople moving to Nova Scotia. Right. Ooh. So now you got to, you got to trade, you move there. The first $50,000 you make will have no tax uh, implications for the provincial rate. Ooh, just in the first year. No, I think that's it. That's that's well, until that program is, is lifted, obviously to get people to start moving there. Right. Right. So there's some places I read in Ontario that are like giving away land for free. If you move there, did you read that way, way up? I've heard of this. I way, way up North in like Randomsville. If you want to move there because the town has a population of 500. So obviously yeah. if you have a town of 500, you need doctors, you need trade people, or you need certain people, with certain skill set. 
So they'll give you, here, buy this house for a dollar. Just bring your trades, bring your skills here. Just move here. Get this economy going here. But I think that people are interested. Like there's certain people who, you know, you meet in life or whatever, and they want to be free. They want to be in the country. They want to be on their own. They want to be off the grid. Right. Yeah. So there is people out there who want that. Right. They don't want to be right. in the city. I, yeah, I'm like and, a suburban guy. I like yeah. close to the city, but I'm just outside. That's me. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, and the uh, people that lived far already, like they'll just move further. I mean, now the north. guy. Yeah. That guy in like Stouffville or uh, Mount Albert that like lived in a bungalow on the main road and has a few acres like he's like, I can get Internet and water, you know, another hour away and i i don't even know anybody because like i don't six hours want away. to whatever the hell he's gonna move as long as he has what he needs there right which is like mm-hmm. shelter maybe internet and a liquor store water <laughs> yeah liquor store <laughs> or at that's least the first uh, thing he uber googles. eats <laughs> yeah uber eats is important <laughs> that's the first thing he googles is like does the town have a have an lcbo of the sorts yes i'm going that's it i'm there I have I have this vision of a town that's like way out there, but has one of those boring company tunnels back into the city. Right. So you have your Tesla. Everybody's off grid. Everybody's doing solar with battery powers and wind. And it's a lovely place run by me, of course. And I make all of the rules. But we have a tunnel that brings us back to the city. whenever like one of those magnetic trains i'm intrigued right right yeah right so when you need to get there fractionally sell this bitch are you ready we're gonna fractionally sell this idea (laughs) right now yes let's do this we can fund it with one of the super duper uh equity funds we're gonna call it enhanced we're gonna call it enhanced super enhanced mega project mega mega project daryl's super enhanced mega project yeah that's actually pretty cool, though. Yeah, when you, you think lost about all the how, steam when you did that, it was going. How, how are we gonna live in a hundred years, right? Like, how are we? How are we gonna look, you know, down the road? What What's the landscape of everything? And I think that the cities will no longer be the necessity for everyone. It's gonna be the still the most populous place. It's still gonna be the place where all the business headquarters are. It's still gonna be the place where all the chaos we'll is. Won't be and, able to find a place. Yeah, it's it, that's just never going to change, but it's just going to be that many more people. You're like, okay, we're going, you know, to gym in Thunder Bay. We're going to gym in Sioux Lookout. We're going to gym in whatever that free land was being offered. And that's where he's going to be stationed, right? And his role will be very simple. And maybe he's one of those guys who doesn't need to see other humans and his coding job or administration job or whatever it is can be done remotely. And people will rely on that. Then it'll be more global, Right. And that'll be another thing, too, which will, again, create deflationary pressures. Right. Because as the world will get out of control, how are we going to make this all settle down again? Well, we're going to have to make um, costs for businesses. This is the reality. Costs for businesses will have to come down and they're going to find a way. And Juan down in Mexico is going to work a lot cheaper than Jim and Sue Lookout. It doesn't matter where he is because he's paying Canadian tax rates. And that's how we're going to be able to get through this. He's working, He's working in, in VR, VR, controlling a robot from, yeah. from P- Panama or Mexico City or somewhere, right? Yeah. And he's doing a great job because the connectivity is the exact same, whether he was at the headquarters in Toronto or not, right? In Innisfil. What is this? Have you guys heard of this? In Innisfil. No. It's like what is that? That's pretty futuristic cool. Futuristic city development. Uh, and they're, they're like pushing this thing through. I don't know Jeez. what's... Yeah. The Jetsons just, you know, came up with that one. Holy smokes. But I, I just saw this. Point. It's a whole yeah. concept of like where the whole traditional was you have this office job, you go there, you drive there for 30, 40 minutes, you work there to nine to five, then you go back home to your house in the suburbs. Right? I think that whole concept is now changing because of the internet, because of these lockdowns. People are like, you know what? I'm no longer tied to a physical spot. I can be anywhere in the world. Like, I think that's sort of, there's a transition happening. Big I time. think more and more towns have to sort of adapt, right? Instead of pushing off this concept saying, you know what, no, we have to work in this office tower. No, it's mobility. Mobility becomes more important where you can work wherever than work wherever, right? And that's how you get people moving. Canada has a lot of land, but like 90% of the population lives within 100 kilometers of the states because that's where all the major cities are. That's where, all, that's where the major metropolises are. So I think we have, to, I think as a country, so we have to find a way to say, how can we make more sense and more use of our land? Mm-hmm. 
and it's there. This is like, it. This the, is the it. Ideas are coming, and, and we're getting. I think we're getting the motivation to do it, and the funding will will be there. And the developers. Let's just talk about that. The developers in Toronto aren't making the money that they used to, right? That they were accustomed to. That's why we're seeing all these projects go in all these other areas because they bought them five, 10 years ago, or, you know, you know, they're getting, they know how to, you know, go through the zoning and planning and all that kind of stuff. And we're seeing that much more development. I mean, pre-con, Daryl, you haven't really mentioned any pre-con in, in Toronto for a while. I mean, there's, there's been very few projects here going on. Very right? few, but they fly off the shelves. It's like, for if sure. you talk about them, it's over already. Right. Yeah. If it's Once in the GTA, the, yeah. the last launch I saw was like eighteen hundred bucks. Oh my god! Right. It's 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 insane. But the land too. Like unless you're a gigantic developer, you can't afford land downtown at two three hundred bucks a foot, and you don't even know what you're buying yet. And the city's mm -hmm. friggin' crazy with everything that they're doing and taking ten times as long. Like. You have to have some seriously deep pockets to go there, but like come out to Scarborough, lands cheaper, come out to Pickering, Durham, you know, New Market. Like there's lots of places. It's really weird, Toronto or GTA or whatever, Ontario, even. Like if you if you have ever driven down the I-95 from to, to Florida and you've seen what like the major downtown cities of all these major cities along the way look like, it's it's pretty friggin' pathetic. If you take a helicopter ride or just go to the top of the CN Tower and you look around, even if you're on the 401, it's like there's like mini major cities all over the place here. And, and, it, and, and it's going to get further out and denser, right? It's just going to get further out and denser. Downtown is still going to be super humming and buzzing and crazy, but it has to get like further out and denser so people can live. There's there's no other way. Like what what do we if it crashes? So so I was gonna say this earlier in the show. Like one of the major trends right now and buyers in the market are parents desperate to get their kids something because they're watching the housing prices run away. Like we're talking like twenty percent, twenty percent plus in the last couple of years, right? So there's this whole flood of last generation money helping out this generation before it gets even crazier because people trying to get in the market lost like $300,000 on an average priced home in Toronto in the last two years, right? Almost real, like, like a whole concept of FOMO, right? It's, a t it's real. So, so, so like all of these things con converging and people wanting nice places to live and being accustomed to a, to a life. And most people don't have parents that can do it. They have to move further like there's zero choice and probably the reality is that the choice gets even further whittled down to renting further away and ownership just getting out of reach unless you're just willing to always move further like you know like cornwall and alberta and saskatchewan saskatchewan will probably explode at some point Right. Because it won't matter that you're in Saskatchewan. You're just not in Afghanistan. You're just not in India. You're just not in China. You're not in Malaysia anymore. You're you're safe. Right. And, and it's I, funny you mentioned Alberta and people just ask me like, oh, housing always goes up. Right. Housing never goes down. And then a couple of years ago, very recently, homes in Alberta, they they were stagnant, like they haven't gone up that much. And people are like, wait, that can't happen. Housing doesn't always go up. No, it's just. Toronto and Vancouver, they have distorted the market so much. But if you look at areas like Saskatchewan, people have actually lost money in homes because they just don't have that same market, right? So yes, let's let's be more mindful that there are cities outside of Canada other than Toronto and Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Well, it is the Toronto real estate show, so we don't care that much. But, <laughs> Fair enough. But, but, but what happens- We mentioned them once in a while. Well, but what happens there gets magnified a billion times here, right? So like if things are good in Canada, we know GTA is going to be on fire oh. fantastic, no matter what. So like now, for example, we're talking about where is it? Rent here. This, I think, is super important right now. Thanks to our wonderful staff grabbing the articles this week. Thank you, staff. Vacancies fall, rents rise as the GTA's rental market hits balance briefly. I think this is super important, right? Because when, when real people start coming into this, the country, 
not just people that already have a place to live and are already here and just they changed this paper for this paper and said, boom, we're the best government ever. Look what we just did. No, next year when real people start coming in, where the hell is everybody going to live? If vacancies are at like, uh, you know, uh, balance level, balance, which is going to last is... for three seconds now, right? Uh-huh. Maybe eight seconds if people are lucky, right? Pricing is going to go way back to like beyond pre-pandemic levels. But where, where, where are all the, I don't understand how the, the economics of this idea work. Like we're already behind. Where do these people go? There's only so much supply, right? You're right. Absolutely. There's only so much supply when you have now more and more people competing for the exact same inventory. But like where, where's, okay, 400,000, we did the math a million times. 400,000 turns to, I think, 180,000 in like Toronto, GTA, maybe 150,000, whatever. We're not building that many like next year. And we're already behind. you're right. And that's why I like what Nova Scotia is doing. Like, you know, the first 50,000 are trades, right? You, you're income exempt. So I think it needs to be more balanced. I don't know everybody can live in the GTA. But they're not even building in Canada. We're even short. In, even it's in not those a areas. Toronto thing. Yeah. Toronto, even we're every, more Every short. one of the areas, every one it's of the not... areas that uh, people are moving to right now has got issues. The only, like the vacancy rates right now are the highest in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta. Those are the, right. those are the highest vacancy rates right now. So those are the areas sense. that yeah, so. we need to, we need to have people moving to and stuff. That's why those markets are still a little bit um, depressed. That's why, um, you know, investors are cautious about going out there, right? Vacancy rates were super low. They dropped, they, they, the rents skyrocketed up vacancies uh, rates plummeted in the Maritimes. That's why they're having those issues. Now they're like, there's too many people here, too many investors. This, we got to fix this problem. So they're reacting but in uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan, it's been pretty neutral. They've had some, you know, uh, people floating around inter interprovincial uh, migration. But the main thing is, is there's still a little bit more supply there than we've got here. So, but you're how talking do we in- about incentivize like, people to move into yeah. the West? But it's like it's like, oh, let's go move to Missouri. Let's go move to Kansas. Like, there's my dream. Oh, I can't wait to get out of this regime and go to. Saskatchewan. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Well, it's never going to happen. There's going to be pop. You got to remember too, Daryl, that the population, when it comes to immigrants, if I moved to um, France, you know, and there was like a little tiny village of a bunch of Canadians all hanging around each other, I would go there. I or would live there and I'd want to live near there so that I got some people to relate to. I know, As but more, you're a special kind of guy, TK. It takes, it takes time though. It takes time for people to be able to go. No, and you're then, right. So it's going to take immigration at the border saying, how much money do you have? 500,000 Saskatchewan plane. How much do you have? We got 1.5 in cash with us, sir. Okay. You can go to Ontario. Good luck, but you can go and try, right? How much do you have? 300,000. You're going to PEI. Sorry, buddy. (laughs) None of it for you. (laughs) Yeah. That's yeah, how it's that's, gonna be. <laughs> let's let's see. Country, but that, that'll dude. come. It takes it takes time. It takes time it to does. build the communities, yeah, right. to build the, the the grocery stores, the the restaurants, the religious uh you know housing, all that kind of stuff that comes it takes over time. time. And you're right, like people who immigrated like 10, 20 years ago, now they're bringing more of their cousins in there, whatever. So like, oh, if I settled in, I don't know, said Brampton 20 years ago, I want people to come to Brampton. I want my family from overseas to come from Brampton, right? If I move to Toronto, I want people to come to Toronto because I want them to be close to me. Yeah. And let's say, for example, I'll just use, I'll just use, uh, you know, one example. So let's say uh, the Indian community and there's a certain Indian garment that, you know, people wear. So you need to have this clothing shop to to have that. Now the first guy went over there and he got a job and he was importing everything. Well, then the next guy comes, he starts the Indian grocery store. Then the next guy comes and they start Indian restaurants. And the next person says, Hey, come over. We need clothes bring your business over here. And then that starts to build up. Now you got a community in this area and that'll happen with all the cultures. And that's something that uh, we'll start to see in uh, the Prairie provinces. So amazing. Danish, we're we're at the end of the show, but I want to, uh, you know, give you a shameless plug here too. So um, where can people find you? Well, you can find my Instagram on YouTube. All you have to do is just search my name and you'll find me just like you have it right there. You can find me if you want to learn more about financial literacy, investing, the stock market, ETF stocks, you name it. 
come check me out. We, we really appreciate you being on the show today. Uh, I know I learned a lot. Uh, you know, Daryl knows everything. So he's probably, you know, just uh, status quo. But uh, I really appreciate it. We, we appreciate it. And uh, you know, you good luck with everything you're doing. learn a lot from me today. Thank you for being Absolutely. here. Thanks, Daryl, Thanks, Daryl, for being here. And uh, yeah, no, we wish you the best of luck with everything, man. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. It was a really a great time. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you, sir. New on CuriosityStream, uncover engineering secrets from history's greatest masters. From the mysteries of the first man-made waterways to the building techniques of the early Americas, it's ancient engineering. Plus, 40 tons of trucks speeding down the interstate can be a recipe for disaster. See how today's smarter new age big rigs pave the way for safer highways on high-tech trucks. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.